While we work at Microsoft, this podcast is independent of Microsoft and implies no warranty or guarantee of the products or services. We will not be sharing anything confidential, and we do not represent the opinion of Microsoft in any way. We are just two passionate guys that love what we do implementing Microsoft devices and services. Five, four, three, two, one, go! Welcome to the Device Pros Podcast. I'm Frank Pinto, and my co-host is Alfred Ojuku. This show is all about our experience as consultants implementing Microsoft solutions around the world. If you're already an IT pro or you're trying to get started, you've come to the right place. We will discuss tech success and failure in the show, resources, tips, tricks, and everything in between. You can find us at www.thedevicepros.com, on Twitter and Facebook as The Device Pros. Hold on to your surfaces. The episode is about to begin. Hey there. Welcome back to another amazing episode of The Device Pros. I'm Frank Pinto, and I'm joined by Alfred Ojuku. Alfred, how's it going? I'm doing great. We also are joined today by a special guest, Mr. Steve Thomas. Steve, how you doing? Hey, guys. Glad to be here. All right, so we're going to talk about um, what topic do we decide on? Because Steve, uh, you know, Steve's got a lot of uh, client knowledge, so we're we're gonna we have lots of different things we could pick from. So, which topic are we going with? Right. So we uh, talked about uh, the click to run technology, but I'll let Steve kind of uh, jump into it and talk about it or mention his area. So I work at uh, Microsoft. I'm in Microsoft uh, Enterprise Services, just like you guys. I work in the client solution space, which is often now referred to as uh, the devices space, focusing uh, with specialty areas on Office Client, MDOP, AppV, UEV, um, desktop optimization. And right now, as of late, I've been working a lot with uh, AppV, UEV, and Office, especially Office 365 uh, flexible deployment scenarios for uh, oil and gas industries. Very cool. Very cool. So I I guess... A lot of people out there are probably thinking about some way to use Office 365. So what what have you seen in terms of a reason why uh, users are now leaning towards Office 365? What's the benefit there? Well, I see benefits both in the consumer and the enterprise space. Uh, I may... You know, first of all, um, not only do I uh, evangelize Office 365 and help deploy 365 at the business level, uh, I have pretty much evangelize that in my personal life as well and use that in my personal life as well. My, my, my friends and family are jumping on the Office 365 bandwagon, uh, mainly because it's affordable. Um, it's surprisingly a lot easier for them to uh, digest and absorb the cost of the subscription-based model. And um, the flexibility of having a subscription that offers uh, a household uh, basically a household license to where they can buy a subscription and for a year they can have it on, on, on up to five devices in their household. That is definitely um, easier to uh, sell being that I work for Microsoft rather than uh, try to talk them into going to uh, Best Buy and paying three or four hundred dollars for it or unfortunately what they would do to me in the past is they'd want me to pick it up for them at the company store and give it to them. <laughs> 
so yeah. so it, it saves me a lot of money as well. Uh, although, um, you know, and, and in fact, at Christmas time, it's also affordable for me to uh, provide nice uh, Office 365 gifts to my uh, to to my friends and family. But in the enterprise space. The, the the Office 365 uh, methodology has been grasped a lot lately by customers who are looking for a variety of delivery options to their uh, end users. One thing that I myself personally have in common with a lot of the um, the uh, users and administrators at uh, these uh, Fortune 500 companies is we're all starting to suffer from device acquisition disorder. So, you know, <laughs> you, users do not have just one device anymore, even at the enterprise level. Uh, even in environments where there's strict compliance and strict regulation, you're going to find that uh, the desktops are now being replaced. The desktops are disappearing. The monitors are still there, but the desktops are disappearing and are being replaced with docking stations. So, so pretty... So pretty much the user's primary device is a nice high-powered laptop that now doubles as their desktop. So let and me get this straight. So we have Mom, which is a Microsoft Operations Manager, which helps you manage everything in a really good world. And now all of a sudden, Dad shows up with <laughs> device acquisition disorder and yep. just throws everything away. It's like, what do we do now? Is that kind of, That's kind of what you're saying, right? Right. Uh, in, in, in fact, the last three... Um, deployments I've done have been mandated for two devices. Um, and it, usually it's going to be a laptop as a primary device and a tablet as a secondary device. And by tablet, we mean something with a detachable keyboard uh, or maybe no keyboard at all, just a nice slate tablet. Okay. Convertibles too? Correct. In fact, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've seen now uh, situations where um, we also have flexible OS deployment, where uh, for the enterprise device that serves as a primary device, Windows 7 is is is, is the, basically the primary device. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that a lot of these customers have waited to the last minute to get off of XP, and they played it conservative and moved to Windows 7. However, for the... For, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 there's a positive side. Even in these deployments where Windows 7 is rolling out, they're simultaneously rolling out Windows 8.1 on the secondary devices. Okay. So they're rolling out both operating systems. Wow. So that's you know that poses its own challenges, right? I mean, we're going to be now supporting, in essence, there'll be a period where they're supporting three operating systems, right? XP 7 and 8.1. Well, if if you want to count Windows Phone 8.1. That's four. Uh, there we go. Yeah, so, yeah. yep. Or and iOS and Android. And so Office 365 gives them the flexibility of not only um, deployment methods, uh, portable formats, but also simplifies the licensing for them. So they can go on a per user or per device, depending on how uh, how that best fits their organization. So I've heard, uh, Alfred, I don't know about you, but as I as I go through my uh, workshops with customers when we're planning to, to do deployments, a lot of my customers are really interested in the fact that this per-user licensing can enable users to have multiple devices and be licensed to run Office on multiple devices without having to license each device, even in up to their you know personal device at home. How about you, Alfred? Well, I, I, I'm curious. I haven't really heard much about it. I'm used, I've been dealing a lot with the data center space, but uh, any, any thoughts, Steve, on that? Yeah. Uh, so, 
the uh, a lot of this is going to depend on the organizational policy. Now, um, many organizations think that Office is a business critical application, and they want to ensure consistency between the users working at home and users working um, in the office. And uh, they understand that they may have managed devices, uh, but they also may have. Uh, a scenario like BYOD, bring your own device. But the BYOD, they want to minimize the cost. But in the case of my current customer, my current customer, the biggest headache they have is document format compatibility mm -hmm. because they can never guarantee that uh, every user is A, going to have Office at home and B, is going to have a up-to-date version of Office that has all the appropriate uh, the, the up-to-date uh, file formats. I mean, the, my, my current customer, their biggest complaint was they still had users at home running Office 2000 and Office XP. and But at the same time, they did they wanted to limit the scope of their BYOD scenario. Um, they felt it was enough to have two managed devices, a managed laptop and a managed, uh, and a managed tablet. But if users are actually going to be working on other machines or working on, let's say, their iPad, uh, they wanted to be able to provide a compatible version of Office that was licensed so the user would not have to uh, pay out of pocket and the user would not have to um, – and at the same time, the user, if the user was leaving the company, they could actually disable the, the MSA and be able to actually uh, not have any um, uh, unlicensed usage of their, um, of, of, of their enterprise subscription. Uh, so I guess – what I'm hearing you say, I mean, it sounds pretty, pretty, pretty consistent is that the Office 365 seems to level the playing field, if you may, and allow people to have access to a standardized version of applications for business. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Correct. And it also simplifies the patching and update model. Because the nice thing about about Office 365 is you have a variety of formats in which you can actually deliver the uh, solution. You can deliver the solution um, in the traditional uh, uh, MSI format. You can deliver it through click to run. You can deliver it through a what we call a flattened app V format. Um, and each one of these formats is great for a specific scenario. The um, and and that's not all. You have, uh, I mean, in in the past three months, we've had enhancements to the Office Web Apps model, where let's say a user is sitting at a hotel, for example, and they sit down at the hotel kiosk, and the hotel kiosk has crap on it as far as product productivity software. They may have uh, like a free version of Open Office, or they may have a uh, you know a Chrome browser, or a Firefox browser, or IE seven or IE eight. And so um, the um, Office 365 extended over into the SharePoint world. Let's say that uh, you set up an extranet, the user connects to the extranet. There might be a document posted on that extranet. The Office web apps functionality allows the user to actually open up and view the document in the web browser without having to have the Office software installed on the machine. Mm -hmm. We impose a similar solution with um, the... Um, the iPad, except the iPad application is a little bit half on-prem, half web-oriented, but it now allows for uh, some iPad functionality. It's not 100% on par with the uh, the Windows desktop solution, but it still gives the user the capability of not only viewing the documents, but opening it up, editing it, creating documents, and 
uploading them um, to, uh, let's say, you're running SharePoint online for collaboration. Right. So it sounds like there's a lot of different options for users. And it, just curiosity, is that only be, is that mainly because we want to give them the flexibility to access Office from any type of device, any sort of scenario? Is, is that the main driver around that? As many devices as possible, yes. Um, and be it, uh, be it again, a tablet device. Uh, for a lot of the tablet devices and desktops, especially if you, if they are making it available on prem, um, click to run is a very popular format. In fact, if you're, uh, use, if, if you bought a personal Office 365 subscription and, you know, where you get the box, there's actually no software in the box. You, there's actually a product key and you go online to office.microsoft.com. You actually type in the key and then you proceed to download the click to run agent and which is very simple. It's kind of a scaled back version of the AppV client, except it's an embedded agent that works just for the office software. And if you just download it and run it, the default settings on it, just have it occasionally check in with Office 365 and stream down updates in the background. Mm -hmm. So once the updates have been streamed down, um, you'll get this warning about once a month that tells you, hey, update, you need to restart Office so we can actually update it. And you can restart Office. It's a one-time thing. And um, it, it it just simplifies the uh, software servicing model for the end user. You don't have to sit there and select 100 different patches or 50 different patches and which ones are critical, which ones are optional. It just basically streams down an updated version of Office every month, essentially. You know, I was really impressed the first few times I, I did that install, the click-to-run install. Uh, you know, gone are the days of that 30 to 40-minute office installation wait time. Right. That was that was really awesome. I mean, you know, I know that I think the advertisement says that there's something along the lines of 90 seconds for first run. You know, in the first 90 seconds, you should be able to first run. And within five yep. minutes, complete install, something like that. That's amazing in itself. You know, if you get nothing else, that is uh, amazing, especially if you're an IT person and you're deploying, you know, uh, these this software everywhere. Uh, that makes a big difference for your end users, makes a big difference for the IT folks. Um, but what comes to mind, so if, I, if I'm doing this click-to-run versus the traditional installer, what options do I have with click-to-run? Can I, can I customize the installation? Well, that's the thing. It's 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 a good thing you brought that up because um, we run into a similar problem that we had uh, about a you know a decade more back, where uh, you know if 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 we're sitting on an enterprise network uh, and everybody's phoning home to Office 365, that's a lot of network traffic. So an enterprise administrator will want to you know maybe may, let can we customize this? Can we can we possibly set up an update server and actually have the update server pull down these updates and then just distribute them that's uh, uh, an option as well uh, but we can take this even further especially if we're virtualizing applications already and we can say all right we like the, we like the technology of click to run but instead of having just click to run we we are actually rolling out a full implementation of app v so what we want to do is we want to take this mentality and bring it into app v so we can actually using the same deployment tool that we use to actually set up and download an office 365 package we can take that office 365 click to run package and quote unquote flatten it that's kind of the term we use flatten it into an app v package and then actually push it out through the um, 
the AppV system, be, be it through Configuration Manager or through um, uh, an AppV publishing infrastructure. Uh, configuration Manager is probably the preferred method because that's usually what people are using already to distribute software. Now, um, if if what what happens then is we can kind of an administrator can do the same thing that Office 365 is doing, but instead of every single user checking in with the Office 365 server, the uh, administrator checks in once a month or once every other month, whatever their update cycle is, and pulls down an updated click-to-run package. They then flatten that package, and then that package is delivered as a differential to the end-user clients. So yeah. it's the same mentality. It's just the administrator now has control of what's going on. And it's still a one-step process as opposed to, or one update process as opposed to having to package all of the individual office updates that would normally come down if you're using MSI. Now, if an administrator wants to still do MSI, and we have a lot of uh, public sector and Department of Defense customers who have to analyze every single patch that comes down, every single update uh, that's tied to every single KB article, um, you can still do that. We're not... If you want to do it the hard way, you can certainly continue to do it the hard way. But we strongly encourage that you do it the 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 easy way, the easy now, fast way, the easy fast way. <laughs> so, okay, with when we utilize the new click to run or even the app fee, we can't use, I guess, anything but non traditional. That takes away the use of the Office customization toolkit, right? Well, the Office customization toolkit would be you could still use that with MSI based installations if you're MSI installation you but you can still use office policies you still can use the ADM and ADMX uh, templates to control office okay so all right I just I just kind of wanted to get that out there because um, I have had some of our customers ask me directly you know how how do I customize the installation of the you know of the package if I want my users to have this or that or whatever auto configure something um, how can I do that? And that's what I tell them typically is there's group policy, but you can't even customize through a config file. However, the Office customization toolkit does not work with the click to run or the app V piece. It only works when right. you're doing a traditional install with an MSI, right? Correct. Yes. Cool. All right. And we've received feedback regarding that, uh, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know the results of that feedback. I, I can say that um, with, the release of uh, Office 365, we have had some development um, and some refinement, and we have been making changes based off of customer feedback for the past 18 months. You know, for for example, we had a situation where um, customers were wanting to be able to use App V, but they did not want to necessarily use Office 365. They wanted to maintain volume licensing and with but also take advantage of the flattening of i apologize that was my phone ringing i should have silenced <laughs> that before that's all right so no biggie that they they wanted uh they they wanted to be able to use the mentality of office 365 and flattening the package into an at v package but they didn't want to necessarily buy an office 365 uh, light, uh, 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 agreement. They wanted to maintain their volume licensing because they wanted to use KMS. Um, they wanted to uh, maintain this in a completely disconnected scenario. So starting with AppV Service Pack 2, they were able to actually use the click-to-run 
deployment tool to create a flattened at V package that would then uh, validate and activate through volume license, either make or uh, KMS. So and that was a big one. So Steve, I mean, I, I heard, I hear where you're coming from. From an enterprise perspective, what happens if I decide that I don't want to have this as part of an enterprise scenario? I, I really want to have it as something that doesn't require some sort of enterprise um, solution. You would want to go with a volume pro plus scenario, mm -hmm. basically volume licensing. And another reason people want volume licensing is they don't want to necessarily be tied to uh, Microsoft accounts. They want to use strictly Active Directory, and they don't want to necessarily use Active Directory in the cloud. Um, we, we encourage taking advantage of Azure Active Directory, but they want to, um, they want to keep everything isolated. And um, so there are solutions that are offered for that. Uh, for example, if you want the, um, as, as, again, if you want to take advantage of AppV or MSI, that can easily now work with Volume Pro Plus, number one. Um, another thing that Office 365 does give you is a capability of roaming specific preferences and settings from device to device, which is great for Office 365, but if you want to roam settings and you don't have Microsoft accounts, which is, uh, or Azure Active Directory, which is required for Office 365, then you actually have to, um, find another solution and so what the uev team has done the user experience virtualization team is they've offered the you the capability of roaming from device to device using uev office 2013 settings and yeah, we've talked just, about I, that haven't we alfred the uev uh yeah exactly we have discussed that but i heard something quite interesting that um that doesn't always come up as a conversation piece you said you mentioned azure active directory now if i'm considering using office click to run or any concept around that where does azure active directory fit into that conversation why is that important well if you want to if if, if you are wanting to avoid using external microsoft accounts and you want to be able to authenticate to office 365 and have and and, and have cloud tenancy that actually remains in sync with your uh, Enterprise Active Directory, we offer Azure Active Directory as a solution for that. Hmm. But it's not a requirement to use Click to Run, no, though. No, 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 no. This is just it, an added piece that <clears throat> can bring additional functionality. Is, is right. that for federation purposes? What's the benefit that I'm getting from that? You can get it for you can get it for federation, or you can actually actually have synchronization of on-premises and cloud uh, identity. And and in you know, I, forgive me for kind of going into the segment segue, but cloud again is an is a ominous term. It's a term that you know people sort of say, oh, what's the cloud all about? You know, is there some sort of concern? You know, if I was a user that was looking to use Office Click to Run and I heard the word cloud, you know, should I be excited? Should I be you know concerned? Well, um. The, the, the scary thing about Office 365 to people who are reluctant to embrace the cloud, which um, most of these environments are those who are concerned with governance and, um, you know, accountability uh, and security. Um, no, number one, um, while Office 365 is a cloud-generated back-end solution, um, it's not necessarily for every organization, and the office team is aware of that, which is why um, there are on-premise solutions that allow you to control everything on-prem, 
with within Office. And the idea that Microsoft had was we want to be able to allow flexible control of the licensing for Office 365. So we heard the feedback and we provided things such as proxy authentication where the users, none of the end users will definitely connect directly to Office 365, but they'll connect via a proxy device to where you can at least segment or control that uh, that connection and authentication to Office 365. Or do what we've done with um, with um, AppV and MSI, where we can actually control the format and you can authenticate either directly to Office 365 using Microsoft accounts or use an, an, an Azure Active Directory solution. And if you don't want to do any of that, you can still uh, have uh, EAs or enterprise agreements that use volume licensing exclusively for Office, especially um, if you are going to be using only the MSI um, format for the in indefinite future. I think the biggest problem with Office 365 that kind of confuses customers more than anything is the fact that uh, it's very agile. It updates very quickly. Mm. Uh, there are changes constantly on the horizon. Uh, we ran into the same thing, and we continue to run into the same thing with Azure, which is why uh, the uh, the the PMs for Office and the PMs for Office 365 got together and they said we need a single point of reference for the customers to actually go to to be able to get what's going on, what's what's been launched, what, what is rolling out, what is in development, and what we've talked about, but we've decided, hey, we're not going to do that. So uh, there is an Office 365 roadmap site that is up now. Uh, if you go, to, if if you go to office. It's my my biggest critique of the whole situation is we kind of need to have a much more friendlier URL, and I've given that feedback back to, to the office team. But if you go to office.microsoft.com/products, there we go. Slash, we're, we're sending the feedback right now. Oh, okay. Well, let me uh -huh. let me give it specifically here. Uh, um, office.microsoft.com forward slash en dash us slash products slash office dash 365 dash roadmap dash fx 10434 all right or we can just post it on our website with the that would probably recording. be easy for, for a second there steve i thought you were i thought i thought you were teasing i thought it was <laughs> you're joking well oh, i thought he was the morse code i was kind of listening to him 14785 like, oh. aspx <laughs> slash dash <laughs> no i'm i am afraid that's the actual url okay. um i i think they've got a shortener for it but uh we get it we get the point we get the it's idea <laughs> and I would not be giving you this URL if I did not, uh, if if I did not believe that it was the most important URL for anybody that is looking to develop off or, or plan or roll out an Office 365 environment because this, I mean, this is basically a portal that um, I I have to check at least once a week to make sure that I am up to speed on what is going on and. Um, I love it. I mean, and it's organized exactly that way. Uh, launched, rolling out, in development, canceled, and uh, it even has a manifest for previous releases as well. Pretty excited. Pretty excited. Yeah, that's so, good stuff. You know, if if 
being a new user, if I was a new user coming into the world of Office and Office Click to Run with Office 365, what is the one piece of advice that you would give uh, myself, my team, in terms of, I mean, outside of what you've already provided, in terms of you know embracing this as a way to move forward with, with application management and application use? Well, if you're a new user, chances are you're coming not just from Office 2010, but likely Office 2007 or even Office 2003. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of sticker shock to you in terms, or sticker shock's a wrong word. There's going to be a little bit of interface shock because right now it's the most up-to-date Office 2013-style um, interface. I mean, we still have customers who have not moved to a ribbon-based version of Office yet. So that's going to be the biggest shock for the end user. But for the end user who is moving from Office 2010 or moving from Office 2013 and using the traditional install format, the, the experience should be almost identical, with the only exception is it's enhanced because you'll find that when you're moving from machine to machine, your MRU, your most recently used list, is consistent. You're noticing that... Uh, uh, you, a lot of your preferences are consistent. You'll notice that uh, if you're integrating this with SkyDrive or, or, or excuse me, OneDrive or <laughs> OneDrive for Business. Get with it, Steve. Uh, come on. <laughs> you, you'll notice that those, if, if, if you're using the cloud for document storage, you're noticing that those are traveling with you as well, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that, that, that is a welcome change from the feedback I've received. But uh, the only impact to this as far as um, manageability is going to be on the administrator side. And the administrators, uh, those who are moving into the cloud for the first time as far as using cloud-based uh, uh, technologies and products, um, are, are noticing a little bit of a change in, 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 in how they do things. But if you're used to using and working with uh, uh, cloud-based services, you're going to find Office 365 just another one of those, uh, you know, convenient services that uh, kind of simplifies your day-to-day -day life. Uh, speaking from an, an administrative standpoint, um, although there, upon its initial release, there were um, there were some challenges that were met with uh, some modifications. And that, again, that's another reason why the enterprise roadmap is, is, uh, very, is, 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 is very important. For yeah. example, we've got some feedback on mixing devices and user licensing <laughs> and activation. And that came, that, that's being um, adjusted yeah. and implemented. We had some complaints from those who were using the flattening tool to make it an AtV package uh, in that uh, it hard-coded a at the package GUID into the uh, office package, which kind of limited the amount of individual office packages that could be managed from Config Manager and from um, the at the publishing system. So that was feedback that was met and that was changed. And as of Wednesday, uh, July 16th, uh, we addressed a very important issue with language packs because um, when you actually... Uh, in, in, in traditional MSI deployments, you deploy the language pack separately from the base office package. So let's say I'm a customer that has uh, a worldwide office deployment that spans 16 languages. Uh, Thai, um, English, French, German, Dutch, traditional Chinese, Korean. 
a whole bunch of these. Um, two things were made available for this. Number one, if you're using click to run, you have what are called LIPS or language interface packages, which could actually be laid down separately from the click to run, which prevented you from having to have a click to, it, it prevented you from having to have uh, a click-to-run office package for every single language or a gigantic click-to-run package that With had all of them. All of them. Yeah, that's a huge enhancement. I think um, I know several customers that I deal with that are going to be really happy to hear that as well. Yeah. Well, the AppV uh, users said, okay, that's nice, but what about us? Do we <laughs> have to flatten a package for every single Because when you actually download uh, a click-to-run package through the Office Deployment Tool, you specify the language in the configuration XML. So we had a scenario of, oh boy, you mean to tell me I have to actually have um, either one gigantic Office AppV package that's three or four gigs that has all 16 language packs, or you're telling me I have to have 16 different Office packages. That That's not going to fly well. And, you know, the customer feedback came in, and so what they're offering at V um, administrators is you can actually take the language pack and sequence it into an at V package and then connect the at V package with the office flattened at V package through a connection group. Very nice. Oh, that's, wow. yes. that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's huge, yeah. So now yes. it just it's dependent on your connection groups who has access to which pack, language packs and where they're located, correct? That's correct. That's awesome. That Very is cool. awesome. As of July 16th, 2014. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> well, listen, right. we are we, we need to wrap things on up. But before we do, Steve, I know that you have a, um, a blog that, that you post things to. So could you hand out your information so if uh, people are interested, they can follow up with you? Yep. Um, I'm at uh, blogs.msdn.com forward slash gladiator. Gladiator. All right. That's serious stuff. And how about Twitter? And I, I'm, I'm all over social media. Uh, in fact, um, I'm getting ready to head to my uh, basement meeting for uh, social media addicts. Um, yep, I'm at uh, Twitter, uh, www.twitter.com forward slash mad virtualizer. Yeah, I suffer from multiple personality disorder on social networks as well. So. <laughs> we all do these days. Well, yep. thank you, Steve, man. It's been, uh, it's been great to talk to you. I really appreciate uh, you coming on the show. I'd like to definitely have you back. Exactly. Sure. I, lo I love the show. love what you guys are doing. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> all right. I'm, I, I know my, my listeners are like, what the heck is going on? But I just got this really cool soundboard, and I can't get enough of sound effects. So there we are. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. We love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Another episode, episode number 15 of the Device Pros. Stay tuned for, um, you know, future episodes that will be coming out every other Wednesday, just like normal. If you haven't had a chance to take a look yet, we have spent a lot of time and energy revamping the website. Uh, thanks for all the feedback. Everybody sent in a bunch of information, some requests, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So, so slowly but surely, we are, we are getting there. Alfred, anything to add before we close it on out? I'm just glad to be able to share this great information with you all, and hopefully you guys can continue coming back and accessing our information. Remember, we are on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're all over the place. So just make sure you stay subscribed to the latest information. All right, sounds good. Talk to you all next time. That wraps up another amazing episode of the Device Pros. 
We appreciate you tuning in and participating. We'll be back in two weeks with another incredible episode helping the technology community one podcast at a time. We want to hear from you, our loyal members, so please reach out on our website, thedevicepros.com, or The Device Pros on Twitter and Facebook. For now, be good to your technology, and remember, the NSA is watching. See ya! While we work at Microsoft, this podcast is independent of Microsoft and implies no warranty or guarantee of the products or services. We will not be sharing anything confidential, and we do not represent the opinion of Microsoft in any way. We are just two passionate guys that love what we do implementing Microsoft devices and services.